You are listening to a Nerd Room podcast production. We the Nerd. Bunch of nerds. Hey everyone and welcome to Nerd. We talk all things Star Wars, Marvel, DC, and beyond. This is episode number 265. We're discussing Godzilla vs. Kong, the new Loki trailer, and the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I'm one of your hosts, Tim. I'm Troy. And I'm Carlos. Fill in that void for this week with that entry. It's a goddamn Batman and my dude, Troy. Sonny is sitting this week out, but we have got a pack slate to walk through. It has been a first for us in the sense that we've got a box office to discuss this week, guys. It's been over a year since we talked about the box office in any meaningful way, and Godzilla vs. Kong is the film that is delivering, both at home and at the box office. Guys, we're going to run through a mini-review of Godzilla vs. Kong. We all watched it over this past weekend from the comfort of our own home theaters, because the theaters are not open yet here north of the border, but we have a lot to talk about here. This movie was highly anticipated by most of us. Myself doing a bit of a MonsterVerse rewatch in the last couple of weeks. I was really anticipating this one. So towards the end of the episode, we're going to dig into that. Talk about our thoughts, our feelings, and of course, the box office. We're also going to discuss the new Loki trailer. Loki, the next Disney Plus MCU show that is coming out after the Falcon Winter Soldier. Dropping this June, we had a new trailer. It gives a little bit more insight as to what this show is going to be all about and sticking with the mcu the falcon and the winter soldier you heard troy's thoughts last week on episode one and two you heard our thoughts on the live stream a couple weeks ago it's episode three it dropped and there's a lot to talk and break down in this one this show continues to deliver and i'm looking forward to breaking it down with the boys here but before we get into any of that we gotta kick this thing off like we always do with our weeks in nerd now gentlemen I got to know, what has been keeping your interest over this last week? Because if I'm being honest with you, the hunt is non-existent for me. I can't find anything on Kijiji. I don't spend much time in Walmart for that right now. But have you had any luck out there on the hunt? Craven, man, (laughs) if anyone can find something, it's you. (laughs) You know what, man? This has probably been the driest week I've had in a while. Um I got nothing. The only thing I managed to pick up, and it was yesterday, was a Kijiji find, and it was Groot. It was that cool. Oh, you saw it's so yeah. funny because I was like, I'm gonna send this to the guys, and I never no got way. there. It was such, such a great deal. Yeah, it was. It was well. It's funny because the guy had it posted for 25 bucks. It was loose, which is cool because I just have it, you know, for an MCU display. And then um, we're messaging you know, those late night Kijiji finds, man, <laughs> going back and forth. And uh, we're going back and forth, and he's like, yeah, 25 bucks, cool. And then he messaged me later, but I, I passed out, and he's like, hey, I'll give it to you in box. I have an in-box one, too, for 25 And I was like, I don't really care, but, I mean, you know, better in-box than without. So um, before I could even message him back, you already hit me with another message, being like, never mind, sorry, my nephew took it off my hands, but I still have the loose one for you. <laughs> I was like, all right, man, you're blowing my mind. Just give me the figure. <laughs> 25 bucks is cool. So I uh, I drove all the way out. He was far. He was far. But I, I made my way over there, picked up the figure, and man, this guy's nice. Like, Groot is like a really nice-looking figure. I had no idea he's that tall. He's mm-hmm. huge. He might be my tallest Marvel legend on my shelf next to my Hulk, 
It's one of taller my than Hulk. I'm just looking at it right it now. It is taller than Hulk. Yeah. I have the um the Gladiator Ragnarok Hulk, I want to yeah. say. Yeah, it's that one. And he's taller than him, but he's he's almost like a a Marvel Select the way he like feels. He's a, a he's a he's a big tall figure, but but the details great. He articulates okay. But uh that's that's all I got, man. That's all I got was just that that Groot. Mm-hmm. I need a rocket now. That's what I got to look for next now. It's a it's a rocket. Yeah. Does it come with a head swap? Or did the one that I have, no, no, no. It's like your standard looking, kind of like the short, like Bart yeah. Simpson kind of look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's kind of like yeah. a straight face. He's not yelling. Yeah, he's not yelling. Okay. No, it's a straight face group. He's serious. Yeah. yeah. I'm wondering because there was the build a figure, which is the one. It's the Groot I have that came yeah. from the original Guardians wave, and then there was like that Toys R Us release that had the, the baby. Box? Yeah, the purple box. It had like that, the baby yeah. Groot. I think the potted Groot and then the yeah. large Groot. Oh, okay. Yeah, is there a teenage Groot yet? There is. It was in a three-pack with, I believe, Thor. Infinity War Thor yeah. and then Rocket and then the teenage Groot. I don't have that. Right. That's the only right. one. And there was that – remember that cheap line that they were doing, the cheap six-inch line? Yeah, yeah. There is a teenage Groot that scales relatively well with Marvel Legends in that line as well. So the okay. detail's not there, yeah. but it for – if you needed a teenage Groot, it is yeah. there. The um, scale works too, eh? Yeah, exactly. Nice, exactly. Nice. So yeah, it's it's an awesome figure that Groot. Oh, when nice. it was a build a figure, it it was fantastic. The detail you got the mossy look, the wash on it yeah. too as well. And and cool. I got the the original rocket actually posed up with him as is that well. The orange kind of, jumpsuit, orange jumpsuit sitting nice. on his shoulder. And I actually yeah. the rocket from Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two had a head swap in it and mm. an articulated jaw. And so that's nice. the one that you want. Because it's it doesn't exactly match the orange suit, but I head swapped yeah. it with a jaw that was more open because nice. the original Groot has just his mouth closed, and it's not a it's not a great representation of of Rocket that first yeah. one. Cool. So cool. that's so funny you okay. picked that up because I was thinking in my head like <laughs> I need to send this to the guys. I just never got to it because twenty five bucks can't go wrong. It's like can't a forty dollar figure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a nice score, nice score for sure. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. Like I'm so excited about Marvel Legends. <laughs> man carlos man what did you get up to this week did you have any success is there was it i say this every week but i find myself getting one at least every week or so it's the the mcfarlands is anything still pumping out there yeah well where you guys were coming up dry with the plastic like it it was (laughs) flowing like oil from the oil sands (laughs) in my house like i uh i went out friday and I, i I had I had the itch. I wanted to get something for myself, but I came up totally dry, except um, in the basement of Phoenix North. I end up finding my daughter loves David Bowie, and will throw on Labyrinth all the time, and I found the Jareth figure from Labyrinth, but like this one that sold out years ago, and it's one that she's always lusted after, but you couldn't find it anywhere. And it's actually pretty expensive on eBay. But it's him with his, like, I guess he's called the Goblin King, and he's got this fancy blue suit and all this stuff on. But it's cool. And ironically, it was made by McFarland Toys. So I was like, <laughs> this is right. meant to be. <laughs> yeah. It, I was like, yeah, that's all right. And it was funny because I asked them for a few things I was after and nothing. So I walk out of there. I had something for my daughter, something for my youngest daughter, and something for my wife. And I was like, yeah, that's <laughs> cool. I literally left with the empty long box. So I was just like, well, not not exactly what I wanted to scratch my itch with, but uh, here we go. But uh, the next day, the kids had some appointments, and my wife was by a mall, and headphones on. I was doing some touch-up painting, and so I didn't get these text messages, but she 
landed the McFarlane motherload at this Toys R Us. And so she comes home with the Last Night on Earth Batman with like the Joker head and like mm-hmm. the little preserve jar and stuff. And then the gold label Geralt of Rivia with like a tan armor look to him. And then the McFarlane gold label Batman. So this yeah. one's actually designed by Uncle Todd himself. And Ooh. he's cool, man. Like he's, uh, it, it's funny. Like I was going to pass on him, but Troy was talking up the design and just loved him. And my wife just head over heels with this. Like she's like, it's just the coolest looking figure. And you got to get yeah. one by McFarlane. So, yes. so it, yeah, sure. Is that a Todd only design, like an original design from him? Yeah, yeah. He just made it up. He did this, like one of his, patented Todd videos awesome. where he talks about, he's like, ah, oh, this is really cool. And I gave him goggles that you could put on and off. And I put like, there's spikes all over this guy. And he comes with like these knives that you can yeah, put in the back. Yeah. The yeah. daggers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You've got the battery rank. You can put on his logo. Wait, no, you can't, but it looks cool. <laughs> yeah. You can glue it on. I don't recommend it, but yeah. Um, but he's, it's a cool looking figure. I like the box has like the little like the McFarlane toys, so the Spawn logo with the with the gold and stuff on it, and the side of the box actually has his autograph and stuff on there. So wicked, yeah, it's kind of nice. So I, I was happy to get that. And then speaking of McFarlane, actually, I watched a documentary on him, um, like Hell I Won't, and it's kind of his life story, and it's them talking about his roots and growing up in Calgary, meeting his wife when he was like the groundskeeper for the cannons, then living in a trailer and just grinding and yeah. um, trying to make it in this life. And I sent it to Troy and he actually watched it too, but man, where like, is it? Where's the, where can I find the documentary? Uh, YouTube? Yeah. Oh. YouTube dropped it. Yeah. Wicked. Sci-fi aired it originally. And yeah. then, yeah, I think it's just on their channel or whatever. Yeah. It's awesome though, man. I got to thank you for sending that out because I was, I've always liked them already. And I mentioned to you, Carlos already off air, but I've never been like the biggest Spider-Man Todd McFarlane design fanboy. I've appreciated it. But then after like going through his documentary and just like what he put on the table for Marvel and what he did, it really started me, started me to really appreciate what he's done with Spidey and like the whole look and how he emphasizes on like the spider over the man. Because the big thing with Spider-Man is like, you got to have Peter Parker and you got to have Spider-Man. But he was like, screw Peter Parker. Like I want to focus on like the look (laughs) and design spider-man and that's why his design is so cool and and different than what we've had before and like the webs he keeps keeps mentioning about going towards the camera mm-hmm. which is something that marvel didn't want him to do and he just changed the game man it, it was really cool to just experience that and i love his backstory behind spawn too how at the bottom of, of spawn it's, it's a romance and i was like that's really cool i never really thought about it that way but it's like if you had one wish after making the deal with like a devil to see your love like would you do it and, and todd's like of course i would you know, I, I thought it was kind of neat. It was really neat, man, how he how he put that all together. But um, yeah, and how cool. it was his it's wife? Nice. Like it, it, it's low key the story of him and his wife. And in fact, he talks about um crafting the story, and he gets all emotional and stuff like that. Yeah. It's the one time, like th- this documentary, like he's he's wearing t tops and punching yeah. like heavy bags and stuff. So it, like the emotional moments aren't uh, aren't rife in it. But uh, yeah, yeah it, it goes to show where where that character comes from and where his heart is and it, and it was kind of neat and it really gave you an appreciation for like he he's just this kid drawing comics and then he finds out about john byrne legendary comic creator did the most seminal stuff with superman and the x-men and he's like yeah he's like i thought there's no chance for me being this kid from calgary alberta canada and then i 
just by fluke ends up watching something on TV and he's like, John Byrne, what you mean? The guy who does X-Men is, is from Calgary. He lives down the street or relatively speaking from us and uh, kind of just goes from there. And that was his inspiration. And it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. So it, it was awesome. neat to watch that and then have this load of his action figure show up <laughs> within 24 hours kind of thing. That's wild. I'm going to have to check that one out. I think you guys have send that to me because it's definitely something I dig and have, especially him being a local guy as well. Yeah. I have to give you a trigger warning though. Cause it's, it's like, listen to Sonny because he's boosting up Calgary all the time and putting down Marvel. So ah. you, you got your trigger warning. That's okay. That's <laughs> That's... <laughs> there's, there's only one or two items that trigger me <laughs> and that won't be one of them. <laughs> well, to cap it off this week for, for myself, like I said, I have had not, I've not had any luck on the plastic side of things, but, but something big arrived in the mail this past week. Just so happens that I've, I've been waiting for a certain nerdier resolution to come through for me, and that was art, nerd art. It's something that I've been hyper-focused on for the last couple of months, and Carlos has been really helping me out, trying to wade my way through the ins and outs of this whole collecting art as far as nerd art goes you know i have always been a poster guy but a theatrical poster so double-sided 27 by 40 posters that's what the majority of my collection is and i wanted to get into something that had a bit more of a unique take on some of my favorite films and the first thing that came up was from vice press and it was this gorgeous jurassic park poster you know not the cheapest thing in the world but also not the most expensive but when it arrived i can tell you just the sheer joy i got out of this unrolling this pristine limited run print on this thick card stock very well printed and it fits so beautifully inside of this frame that i got that i have to give a shout out to my boy emmett he had making fun of me on a couple live streams because i had this you know just (laughs) store art in in this poster for like two months every live stream we've done for those that have watched you can see this you know, these silly buildings in the background behind me because I was anticipating this coming. I was so excited about it that I went and bought the poster the day after I bought, or I went and bought the frame, sorry, the day after I bought the poster, expecting it would arrive in two weeks. But because of the issues down in Houston with everything freezing, they had issues with ink and all this. And so it was quite delayed coming, but it comes at the right time. You know, I said this a couple weeks ago about NECA. I've had much luck and boom, up shows super shredder and here we go again another couple of weeks of of dry spell on the hunt and here's this poster and so it finally fills this gap behind me this poster gap behind me but it's also caused me to do a little bit of a reset in the nerd room i've had to change out and bring down some of the jurassic park stuff to to actually accent the poster itself and so i'll get some pictures up on instagram at the nerd rm you guys can check it out over there because it is a gorgeous piece of art and carlos i gotta thank you man for sending me down this path Oh man, you're welcome. And it's a it's a beauty poster. Like one image encapsulates everything about mm-hmm. that first movie, and it has a very unique style to it too. So you yeah. can tell it's not just like I hate when people just do the what the heck is that program where they just import promotional shots from the movie and yeah, Photoshop or whatever. Yeah, and then put a filter over it, and it's like, oh, here's my poster. Yeah. It's like, well, no, there's a photograph that somebody <laughs> else took. <laughs> that you that you cropped and stuck into this collage kind of thing but with this it's you can tell it's the the young lady mm-hmm. i think it is her artwork and 
very unique style and whatnot. So yeah, no, that's a cool one, man. Congrats on a sweet piece. Yes. Your inaugural foray into the <laughs> yeah, it's, never it's, ending it's, world of art print collecting. That's it, man. It's a dangerous step and there's some great looking ghostbuster ones out there and Marvel, of course the MCU star Wars. So is it going to see this, this build out for sure? And we'll see, we'll see. You're always sending me stuff and I'm always, always looking. It's got to be the right thing. It's got to catch my eye. That's one thing about art, right? It's got to actually tweak something inside of me, hit an emotion or nostalgia. It's got to have a certain look. I like kind of the pastel-y sort of minimalist stuff as well. Mm-hmm. And so, but this one just hit the right spot, right time, right spot. And whew, man, I'm so pleased with it. So pleased with it. But I think I think it's time we move on to something that we all did this week. Um, whether or not it's this week in nerd or whether it's the start of the news, I don't know. But the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, guys, this show, let me tell you, being one of the most anticipated shows of 2021 in the MCU, of course, and delivering in a major way, for myself at least, in episodes one and two. Episode three kind of being the middle road for this show. It's only six episodes. We're rocking about 40 or so minutes. We're halfway through this already. And I got to take a pulse check on everyone here, how everyone's feeling about what we saw in episode three and how this arc of these two characters is really developing. Cause we've added a few more individuals into this last week. I said, Whoa, we really blew up this series as far as characters are in it. it well beyond just the Falcon and the winter soldier, but episode three goes at it again, introducing characters again, spoilers here, but introducing characters like Zemo or reintroducing Zemo back to it, reintroducing agent 13. We've got AO, Dora Milaje making an appearance at the end of this this episode, which I thought was really cool and really unexpected. Madripoor, this safe haven for criminals from the comics. So pulling on a lot of threads here that we're familiar with in the Captain America universe, but retooling and reutilizing these characters to make and help out with the plotline and narrative that we've discussed over the last couple episodes. And really hitting home, I think, maybe what could be a real potential for, for Zemo leading the Thunderbolts. He, he really shows some range in this one, and I'm excited <laughs> to hear what you guys had to say about it. So, Troy, episode three of the yep. Falcon Winter Soldier. Highlights, yep. lowlights, what are you thinking about kind of the middle episode? And we're halfway through this now, so how are you feeling about yeah. the show in general? It, it was cool. It, it wasn't bad. Um, where do I begin, man? The Madripoor. I thought that was so cool. I never thought we would see that in the MCU because mm-hmm. for me, I always associate that with Wolverine and then and his patch days. So when mm-hmm. I heard that, I was like, oh my god! And then when I saw it, I'm like, whoa! Like that that looks like right out of the comics. Um, I remember not too long ago, I was reading Old Man Logan and he revisited that town. So that was really cool to see. Um, Zemo, for me, the actor killed it. He he was brilliant in what he needed to do. The choice of some things as a little bit like felt a little detached from Civil War, but I think he executed the role extremely well. But when he threw on that um the, the purple uh, mask, the mask and, and and it took over that one scene, I was like, okay, that's dope. That's really cool. I love the look. All that was working for me really well. Um, but man, the, the, not not so much love for uh, for Sharon. Sharon kind of got a little dismissed. I thought we were gonna have like have her kind of being like that mm-hmm. third wheel in this series, and then she kind of just got booted out at the end and i was like what like she has to come back because i feel like she's kind of been robbed throughout this whole mcu experience i thought she was great actually and every time she showed up but you know we had her in um civil war well winter soldier even too the civil war and then um 
yeah, she kind of got the shaft and then she disappeared and now she's kind of off the grid. Um, I like the lifestyle that she's living, but I do hope that she kind of comes back into the mm-hmm. fold and makes her presence even bigger. Maybe even Avengers level, I would honestly really like to see her do because she, she's just fantastic. Um, the overall look was great. There were some things that were kind of disconnected for me. I already kind of went over Zemo a little bit. Um, Sam Wilson, I thought it was really, really weird how they came up with that disguise for him. The the tiger. <laughs> Smiling tiger, the smiling tiger. That that made zero sense to me because like, you're you're an Avenger known around the world as Falcon, and then you go to this bar, and now you're meant to be known as the smiling tiger guy. Like that disconnect for me was just, it, it's it's like if 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 Michael B. Jordan came into our town and was running around and he's meant to be like me, people would be like, no, no, that's 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 Michael B. Jordan. I don't care if like Troy's from this town. That's they might look a little similar, but that's definitely Michael B. Jordan. And They'd be like, this guy's <laughs> arms are way too small. It's You're tiny, the guy from Rocky. Your arms yeah. aren't big enough. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I thought, and, oh, for me, Falcon definitely outshines this this character of the smiling uh, tiger. So it, that that thing, I, it's a small nitpick. But I just thought that was kind of weird how, like, how are we going to downplay Falcon now for this one scene where, like, Falcon's clearly, like, Avenger top level. Um but you know it, it was fine. It was fine. And, and then the, the other nitpick actually I had, and again, it's Falcon too. Um, this guy's been on so many top-notch missions, low-key missions. And then he, he forgets to turn off his phone. I was like, come on, man! Like you're better than this. You could have been Cap. Cap believes in you. What, what's going on? There were definitely some contrivances in this episode, and them going yeah. into the bar was one of them. Because I also yeah. thought, like, how many people are aware that the Winter Soldier is normal and fought with the Avengers shoulder to shoulder with everyone and and now he's Winter Soldier again? Yeah. yeah. And especially in that context where it's like all these people have more information than those two allegedly do. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, I don't know. I might as well get into mine. Yeah. So I'm kind of like with you, Troy, and like the plot contrivances and just like it felt really sloppy. Like mm-hmm. just it's like we have to have Zemo. So instead of. Like, the biggest thing for me is that as far as the investigative leads for both Walker and Battlestar and Bucky and Falcon, neither one of them had even come close to exhausting their leads. And they were kind of at the outset of their missions. And it's like, they don't they don't take anything the logical next step. It's like, let's just go to one of them deciding to break out Zemo. Like, yeah. first of all, it should have been Walker and Battlestar going to see Zemo mm. because, A, they would have had the access to him, and, B, that would have been way more interesting because they would have made poor decisions. Yeah. And then if you have Falcon and the Winter Soldier going and dealing with the uh, Flag Smashers and the uh, the sympathizers that are helping them out, that could have gave you a really interesting narrative thread where the government and what Walker represents is opposed to these guys, whereas the Falcon and the Winter Soldier are willing to work with them and might be Mm. sympathetic to what their plight is and what their goals are. So it was weird. And then you have Bucky just on his own deciding (laughs) that this is the best course of action to release probably the most destructive force that the Avengers have ever encountered and they're just going to manage him by themselves, the two of them, who can't even get along and who can't even manage John Walker. So it's like, that's stupid. 
And then, yeah, like the whole thing with like dressing up the Falcon, like the whole thing was, it was honestly to dress him up in that pimp outfit and have Zemo drop that line on him. And it's yeah. like, really? Like, well, this is where you have to go? It seemed out of place because of the first two episodes and what they were laying groundwork <laughs> yeah. for, right? Yeah. And the significance yeah. of that. And it's like, yeah. we're going to go to African pimp sort of thing yeah. right like yeah. it's it like it, it to me overall like the episode it works but it feels like they got to this point in the writing and we're like shit we need to really blast through this Man, and introduce sharon them. carter like yeah. that whole like when they when they when sam's phone rings that was like a video game where you're like <laughs> where, where you're playing through like the story or like the story uh video plays out and it's like oh the quick time event is gonna start and so it's like why is sharon following them she didn't even know that they were there and how is she supposed to know what's happening in the room but she just Mm -hmm. happens to shoot the lady that's like but she's out of that life and Mm -hmm. she's like the art dealer so why would she just like yeah capping people yeah yeah, Quick time it's, of it. it hit seems triangle, jump through the window, jump, <laughs> pick up gun, hit circle, <laughs> L two to slide. Like, oh, sorry, man. Like this, this That's episode hilarious. drove me bananas. <laughs> it's it's funny because like when you when when I take a step away from like the MCU fanboy, I see the issues with it, right? And I see it's a very rushed episode. To be honest with you, they may be falling victim to. We're trying to set up Thunderbolts with Zemo, so we have mm. to give him some sort of groundwork to get him to the level where one, he can be a believable fighter. Cause he doesn't do a whole bunch of fighting right in civil war. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's more of the methodical intelligent sort of route that he takes about dismantling him. And so the path I thought they were going to take with him was essentially they're going to go visit him and have some sort of exchange. And maybe that exchange leads to him getting out, but I didn't Animal really left. anticipate him kind of shacking up with them and, and running shoulder to shoulder. <laughs> yeah. With, like, and there's moments in there that I like with Zemo but it feels very rushed and agent 13 could have probably waited for episode four and you'd done a little bit more with this arc. And to be honest with you, when you say that Walker and Battlestar just reverse those roles, it would make mm-hmm. more sense them entering into Mandapore with Zemo yeah. and then having some kind of, you know, inter- interaction at the end with Falcon and winter soldier, where they take possession of, of Zemo and then you get into episode four and run with it. So, yeah, yeah it did feel like a bit of sloppy writing. And that yeah, some of the, the early through lines that they set up are kind of diminished a bit in this episode. Yeah, it just it, it felt like if out of the two pairs, if one pair was going to be arrogant and mm-hmm. underestimate Zemo, mm-hmm. it sh- would have been those two, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, was a, it was a weird one for me. Yeah, but I, do, I did like the scene when he went all Winter Soldier and they played the Winter Soldier theme, the screaming. In there. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I yeah thought that's that was, cool. That was pretty cool. It's <laughs> a yeah. nice touch. But and, and then in the end sequence too, um, who pops up? Aquaya pops. A- was, a- no, a- not Aquaya. So yeah, a- a- yeah, yeah, a- a- yeah. popped up, and I, I love that. Yeah, I because really that's cool. Because cool. for me, I'm like, how are you gonna get away with breaking out Zemo, the guy who killed T'Chaka, mm-hmm. and nothing happens? Come on. So I really like that they showed up, and they're probably gonna be like, no, like he's coming with us. Like this mm-hmm. is crazy because it is. There's no reason why that guy should be broken out of prison. Not no, at all. not at all. But no. do they go? Do they go down a path where they they try Zemo Winter Soldier Thunderbolts sort of thing? Because mm. Winter Soldier was the leader of the Thunderbolts, I believe, m- relatively recently in the comic yeah, books as well. Around that all new, all different yeah. arc, I think. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah. Do, are they trying to lay groundwork there? 
And is this where the MCU falls over on itself sometimes, where they <laughs> are trying to do a little bit more than just tell a through line story? Right. Like, Especially when you have TV. I mean, that is the place you could really do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it just didn't seem, you know, you look back at the first two episodes and even look at what they did in WandaVision, where most of it was very well written, elegant in execution. And you get here mm-hmm. and it's kind of tripping over itself a little bit, trying to, yeah. to race to a point here. The problem is, too, you've introduced a lot of stuff here and you're trying yeah. to basically juggle all of these different threads now where we really want to see the to be honest with you i want to see more of what they seeded with falcon right and becoming captain america because they got three episodes now to rush him into the suit as well yeah well and they're like yeah and you got to tie off the wakanda aspect now yeah all this stuff in europe like honestly i would have been happy if it was like isaiah bradley falcon in louisiana with his sister trying to sort things out and Mm -hmm. and bucky kind of going on his journey too right so yeah yeah, the those things i really loved about episode two they were they were absent. Like, yeah. That, see, that's the problem. And that's a through line that you do need to, I think, keep going for it to be impactful in this. Yeah. And you but now I'm worried st- that they're not going to pick that up, really. Like, if it's just like, it's- if it's just that scientist talking about Isaiah's blood, mm-hmm. like, if that's all you do with Isaiah Bradley, like, that's like shame on you, man. Like, yeah. that's yeah. no good. You definitely, you definitely need more of that. And there's a lot of work to do in these next three episodes. It, it hits. But it doesn't hit as hard as the first two episodes, and it definitely shows what potentially could be weaknesses in the long-form storytelling with this, right? And and what they're doing here, it, you know, Wandavision it worked on a, on a scale. You know, are we seeing a bit of a crack here in this? I don't know. I don't think so, ultimately. But this is a definitely a dip towards uh, the downside of of potentially what this show could be. Mm. So. We'll see if, if episode four is redemptive. Um, I still have high hopes for what they're going to do here. And, you know, being the MCU fanboy, I put the blinders on and run headfirst into it. <laughs> but I can admit things here, guys. I can admit things. No, exactly. It's a safe space. Exactly. It's a safe space. We just got to keep you real every once in a while. You can keep me in check. No, I think it's inappropriate. You know, I keep, I keep some of you guys in check with a few other things. And yeah, exactly. It, it, uh, it can't, it can't be uh, – get me – just be screaming about the fact that they put the Winter Soldier theme in it and giving everything else a pass. <laughs> so, yeah, I can appreciate you guys uh, keeping me in check here. Keep me in line. Because sometimes I can get carried away. <laughs> but speaking of getting carried away, let's talk about this next trailer, Loki. Yeah. June 11th, 2021. We've got our next Disney Plus MCU show, and it takes the form of following around Loki and some of his escapades around the multiverse, as we saw at the end of Endgame. And I believe if you go back to our Endgame review, one of us says, oh, there goes Loki into his Disney Plus show. (laughs) (laughs) That was very predictable as what they did there when he took the Tesseract and disappeared from the, I guess what would be the main line of continuity inside of the MCU. And it looks like they're going to pick that up and have him running through time. So what this show will offer is lots of theories lots of i think potential cameos and lots of hiddleston in the role of loki we've seen loki a lot in the mcu and i know quite a few of us were happy with the way that his arc came to a conclusion and that we're going to step away from that character but it looks like they found a way to keep him alive and i think it's going to be a fun way this is going to be a little bit of a what if and this does in theory release the writers from any sort of handcuffs or canon that they need to follow 
with these MCU stories. I think this is going to allow them to run all over the place and do what they need to do and have fun with the stories as opposed to having to adhere to some sort of strict narrative that gets you from A to B while also considering the rest of the alphabet in and around the MCU. So, Carlos, man, I got to hear your thoughts here on on Loki. Hype, what could this show do? Is it just going to be a fun ride through the MCU? Are we going to see Steve Rogers? Are we going to see Black Widow in this? Yeah, I think that these will be the places that you see those characters. It it was a bit of an interesting take with where they're going with it, with him basically getting captured by, what is it, like the Time Variance Authority, I yep. think is what they're called. Yeah, Owen and, Wilson. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I know Owen Wilson doing his like Samurai Showdown thing or whatever that movie was called, <laughs> except it's Tom Hiddleston <laughs> instead of Jackie Chan. Yeah. But um, Shanghai Noon. Sorry, but uh, when they got to the part where he shows the timeline starting to branch Mm -hmm. and you're kind of seeing the ramifications of Captain America making the decision that he did at the end of Endgame and going against what the Ancient One said with you need to put these stones exactly back where you found them kind of thing. If they play with that piece of it um, and whether or not that results in Chris Evans being young cap again and not having his life with Peggy or whatever that that doesn't matter to me but that'll be kind of neat to see where all these divergent points come up and what the TVA is trying to do and obviously Loki's going to be trying to undermine them and stuff like mm-hmm. that I imagine one of the themes will be him trying to escape his inevitable death yeah and this will probably be where you get lady Loki planted for use in the future of the mcu but yeah we'll see we'll see we'll see what happens so yeah there's there's a lot of potential here i think for them having a good time with loki and running him through various comic iterations that we've seen like you said lady loki you know there's a clear picture of him running for president of some sort as well which we saw in the comic books not too long ago and to be honest with you it 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 will drive the aspect of, okay, if Loki taking the Tesseract creates like a dozen different timelines, what does them taking all the Infinity Stones do? And how do you actually get back to one linear timeline? And what does this open up, right? As far as time travel and all that, that they kind of wanted to close in on a little bit. They use it as a mechanism in Endgame, kind of said, okay, we're done with this for now. And they didn't really expose the multiverse too much in WandaVision, but I guess we're going to see it in Multiverse of Madness maybe spider-man 3 it's gonna be interesting to see if this starts to lay seeds for that or if it's just going to be a contained show where they just have fun and run around and just have tom hiddleston being loki troy you just watched this trailer prior to us starting the record here any any thoughts on what this could be and are you excited for this one yeah, well, I mean, for what it could be, I, I really do dig the idea of it just being self-contained. Mm-hmm. I really hope it does, and it doesn't really uh, open up the can of worms more so for the, the alternate timelines in the MCU. Um, I really feel like Tom Hilson's Loki was was he was fantastic. He was amazing for what he did, and I I think Endgame really just closed the door on him in such a perfect way, or Infinity War, sorry, mm-hmm. um, that we didn't really need to go back to that well but i mean he does such remarkable things with that character that i could totally understand why they give him a show and with that being said that's why i hope it's very self-contained um my thoughts on the trailer it's 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 fine it's not 
it doesn't really blow me away. And maybe that's just because like this has been, I think, my least anticipated mm-hmm. MCU show underneath um underneath Wanda. And I mean, and this this could very well be the best one. It could be the best thing ever in the MCU for all I know. I think the production's there. The production looks really good. I love obviously seeing that shot of him in like that Loki president kind of look from the comics with uh yeah. like, the presidential suit and the the crown. I thought that was really cool. I love his signature daggers going on there. I think Owen Wilson in doses is, is kind of cool. So, I mean, we'll, we'll see how that goes. But it just, it doesn't really do much for me. Just, I love time travel. And if they nail it for me, I'm I'm all there. But if they go kind of bizarre and bonkers, it might be like that, that moment when you get to those comics when you're like, yeah, maybe I'm going to stop reading mm-hmm. this book. It's, um, I hope not. I hope it's something I just dive into and I'm invested in. I am looking forward to the cameos though, because I think this would be a cool opportunity it's, to kind of have fun yeah. with some characters that can pop up and and see how he works off of Hiddleston. So we'll see. But I really do like that pitch of uh, like Lady Loki. Mm-hmm. That'd be cool. I really think this would be the perfect opportunity to kind of trend, uh, transition over to that. That would be that'd be pretty neat, especially because we're getting like a new kind of era in like the MCU yeah. Avengers. Like, right, we're getting all these mm-hmm. different characters kind of added in. I know Loki's not necessarily an Avenger, but just that DNA to bring that over and update it, I think that'd be kind of cool. So Yeah, I to be yeah. honest with you guys, I I don't disagree with the idea of they, they have to have some fun with this one mm-hmm. and they have to kind of release the shackles of, of some of the, the canonical MCU storytelling and, and just kind of go a little bananas with this one, but but rein it in and not try to go too too far with the time travel stuff i think that this is going to be self-contained and i think it should be Mm -hmm. and it allows them to to run around it looks like you there's a couple of scenes in the trailer where it looks like he's sitting talking to black widow on the the planet where they found the soul stone um Mm. and that could just be for that very point that he's gone and saw her or whatever like i think there's there's a potential for this just to be all over the place you could see Thor, you could see Cap. Who knows if they got these actors back to do anything. But the potential is there. But they could also just screw around with history in general, right? There's a scene in there where it looks like he's D.B. Cooper jumping out of the plane with all the money and all that, right? And so mm-hmm. it's going to be, I think, just something just to just to watch, consume, and just be done with. I don't think it's going to have any greater implications for the MCU. But who knows? That's what they're all about. And they're always working some angle in the MCU. And I think this one, I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to be honest with you. I've always liked the idea of seeing a bit more Loki. Um, and I do agree that his, his end was, was good, but if they can, if they can find that, some of that magic again with Hiddleston and put him opposite ag- against situations and characters that we have not seen him play th- against, I think they're, they could really work here. And like you said, Owen Wilson, small doses. Wow. Like it, it, it. <laughs> I'm game. I'm game. I'm game. No, overall, I'm here for all these Disney Plus MCU shows, and the more they can give us as we're holding over through this pandemic, the more I'll take. That's for sure. <laughs> so June 11th, that is before Black Widow, and it's uh, there's a brief hiatus there between Falcon and Winter Soldier and our next Disney Plus show, but we're definitely going to get this through the summer and into and across Black Widow. I believe this should be airing at the same time as the Disney plus drop of black widow on July 9th. I believe uh, this looks like it's going to be in the same fashion as the Falcon winter soldier. So six episodes in that 40 minute time window, I believe. So lots of story to be told there guys, lots more coming from the MCU and Disney plus 
But let's skip over to our final topic for this evening, and that is another streaming service offering in Godzilla vs. Kong. We're going to do a little mini review here. We're going to put the spoiler tag right at the top here because we're going to jump right into some of the discussion of what we thought about the latest iteration of the verses inside of the monster universe. Now, Godzilla vs. Kong comes as the fourth installment in WB's MonsterVerse, where it was kicked off in 2014 with Godzilla, followed up by Kong Skull Island, and then I believe it was 2019 where we got Godzilla King of the Monsters, and now being followed up here with Godzilla vs. Kong. A nice stringing through and through line for these kaiju, these punch-em-ups, these big monster flicks that are extremely appealing to the eyes and leave no stone really unturned or no building untouched by the time we get through the back end of Godzilla vs. Kong. But I got I to gotta hear you guys' first thoughts. Before we get into the box office, before we get into any real details here, first impressions off the top here, Carlos. Sitting through this, how did you consume it? Were you anticipated? Were you excited? And just high-level thoughts. Yeah, man, we uh, we were really looking forward to this one. Like, I've had a soft spot for Godzilla my whole life, kind of thing. So, and I really loved Kong Skull Island. So, yeah, when when the trailers started popping off for this one, and the the hype was real in my house. So, we did the pay per view thing. I think it dropped here the the Wednesday night or the Thursday night, but it was a Saturday Saturday evening movie night and. We waited till the sun went down just enough and all the phones went into the remote basket nice. and soundbar up and the windows down. And uh, yeah, all four of us ended up just loving this movie. It It is what it is. Like you, you should know what you're getting <laughs> into with a movie called Godzilla versus Kong. And it didn't try and be anything other than what it promised you it was going to be. And Man, like just so entertaining, and like it, like I said, it delivers on the promise of what that title is. You want to watch this movie to watch these two titans kick the crap out of each other? You will get that in yes. spades. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, man, I and I appreciated that. I appreciated that. No pretense, no no message really. Just it's just like here's cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Watch it. <laughs> here's take your two plastic action figures and bash them together. And bring in some of that uh, as we get through it. Some of the that transformer stuff, maybe a little bit towards the end. <laughs> yeah, and and why not? So, and you know what? They they must have done a good job because, you know, spoilers. But as as one of the two, I, I was Team Godzilla all the way. Yes. But you get to that final act, and I was like, Yo, like maybe maybe don't go so hard. Maybe yeah. he's not so bad. <laughs> like don't. Let up a little G. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, because there, there is a true king, I think, at the end of this one. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Troy, man? Were, yeah. were, are you into this monster verse, monster universe, whatever it's called? Are you, were you digging this movie once you got through it? You know, I, I checked out. So, what happened with me with this, the whole franchise is, um, Brian Cranston's 2014 yep. Godzilla. Mm-hmm. That one for me, that trailer is like, oh my god, I'm into this universe because I saw the trailer, I was blown away, but I was let down by the movie, so I checked out. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't revisit the King of the Monsters. I didn't check out Skull Island. I, I've told before on the podcast, I really didn't like Godzilla 2000. 
I don't know, six, whatever year that was. The, the um, Puff Daddy or, one? Or sorry, King Kong. King Kong. Oh, King Kong. The King oh, Kong. yeah, the Peter Jackson oh, yeah, one. Peter Jackson. The Peter one. Jackson. Yeah, I really didn't like that one. But um, the trailer for this movie really had me sold, and I was like, "Oh my god!" And I love Godzilla too. Like, like when it comes down to it, like that's my that's my G. And so when um that trailer hit, I was like, "I gotta check this movie out." And then everybody else, obviously, too. Timbo's been there, like, "Yo, this this is the movie." So when it came down to it, um, I checked this thing out right away. And listen, when Godzilla and King Kong are on screen, it's like just the mm-hmm. biggest smile on my face and this movie the whole time i was just like man i really wish i could have seen this on the big screen this thing mm-hmm. sque- yeah. like out of any movie right now man this thing belongs on the big screen my goodness and the special effects some of the best i've seen like it was absolutely amazing and stunning um i like the opening sequence with kong mm-hmm. and we kind of get like that hunger games moment where it's like this is all fake you know um but it suffers the same problem as the Transformers film. And it's, you know, it is what it is, but the humans just absolutely suck. The yeah, they were. The humans are just horrendous. <laughs> Come on. Like, oh, right? Oh, oh man. Like, it didn't matter who popped up. And there's there's one guy I got to call out because he was terrible. Um, how was it? Bernie. Bernie. The Bernie guy, he's like the dude that's all kind of like podcaster. Come on, pod- oh. he's one of us. <laughs> oh man, this guy was whore. Every time he popped up, I was like, please. And then what makes it even worse? They pair this guy with the two kids. Ugh. Get out of here! This guy was driving me nuts the whole the whole movie. I just wanted nothing to do with him. When it was on Skarsgård, I was like, this is okay. This is this is all right. The villain was you know so so, but. And Millie Bobby Brown's like she's fine, but that that Bernie guy was just—it would have been so much better if he was just completely removed, and they just made the kids a little bit more of that um, conspiracy kind of um, believer, I guess. But yeah, it is what it is. It's a it's a King Kong movie, right? It's a Godzilla movie, so I'm like I'm not knocking it, but at the same time, <laughs> that that just bothered me throughout the whole film, man. <laughs> Look, I, I'm right there with you, Troy. But when Godzilla and Kong are on screen, I'm like, yes, give me more. Yeah. When the humans are running around, Ugh. it's so like you're so right. It's so Transformer esque. Yeah. As we like, it's and Millie Bobby Brown's a great actress. Yeah. And to be honest with you, her role in King of the Monsters is great. Okay. But when they bring her in here, it's like we need to put Millie Bobby Brown in here. But we have nothing for her to do, so we're gonna pair her with this dude. And they're going to have this weird side thing that kind of meets, but I don't know. We'll get into it. Like, but my hype coming into this was, mm. was next level. I've had a blast going back and revisiting Godzilla, a movie I really enjoyed in 2014. Kong, Skull Island, and King of the Monsters I hadn't seen up until a month ago. And even it was just a week or so ago that I watched King of the Monsters. And I really enjoyed all three of those films. And I think the thing that sets Godzilla versus King Kong, if you want to just look at how the films are constructed and what they try to do that sets this one apart is I think the human story and the monster story in those three films all kind of work. And the more grounded nature of those three films, as crazy as that sounds to say, when you've got in King of the Monsters, you've got this three-headed alien that is flying around was stuck in the ice for however many years. and But I felt that they still the tone of them at least still felt all one in the same to a degree. And it all felt like it was still relatively based in some sort of grounded science. If I can say that, if that makes any sense, I don't know if it does, but 
it'd be interesting to see if other people have that same opinion. Where this one, when I talked to Carlos after, I said, the half of my brain that wanted Godzilla vs. King Kong is really happy. I loved it. Yeah. The other half was like, did we just jump the shark in the monster universe a bit here? <laughs> like, did we just go <laughs> over where it became so much more sci-fi and they added so many extreme elements into the film that it started to erode some of the cool stuff that I wanted to see out of this. Like the first scenes, the first fights are great. But once you get to mm. the end, I'm like, I wasn't really expecting this. And then I had to do a little research and there is precedence for the Mecha Godzilla and all that. Oh, that's an OG. Yeah. 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 So yeah. Uh, I don't know. But one thing that this film did do guys is it reinvigorated the box office. <laughs> The, the first bonafide hit inside of the pandemic in over a year, the first wild success inside of the box office, relatively speaking, of course. But this thing blasted off to a $32 million three-day opening and close to a $50 million five-day opening and over almost $300 million worldwide this past weekend. That's just at the box office. That's not including all the viewership from us in particular that watched it from home so that it's a huge success it did wild numbers in china it's likely to get a sequel they're likely going to push this universe further and then when you even look at the home viewing now this is just from that samba tv so we've talked about this before this is a service that keeps track of the relative amount of views so it's not a finite number it's not saying that 3.6 million people watch this it's saying inside of that contained measurement this is the relative amount of people that watch it so you can give a comparison to how godzilla vs kong did against soul and against access just league and so on and so forth so this is by far the largest recorded from what i can tell on this monitoring service where it saw 3.6 million views in the united states only and you compare that to soul which did 2.4 zack Snyder's justice league that did 1.8 and the bottom thing like tom and jerry did 1.2 so you get a relative comparison that at least according to this, and I'm not putting this out there to piss anyone off, but this did twice as good as Zack Snyder's Justice League from a relative standpoint in the U.S. based solely on this. So the Is numbers. And Jay's not here today. Yeah, it's probably why. Doesn't doesn't <laughs> as, he, as maybe he so aptly put doesn't fit his narrative. <laughs> <laughs> so. Needless to say, I think this is a wild success, and it's the type of movie that I think people wanted to go back and see in theaters. Like you said, Troy, it's a spectacle in and of itself, and it is something that draw has driven people to the theaters. Now, the parts of the U.S. are, are much more wide open than other parts of the world, and here in Canada, we just closed everything down again um, across the majority of the country, so we're going in the wrong direction but it seemed that this this was a hit in places that are able to show movies again. And it does breathe a little bit of life back into that theatrical experience and that post-pandemic, we're likely to see a, a substantial revitalization of that experience and of the box office. So I would say encouraging for, for all of us that are missing the theatrical experience. And I've probably been the most pessimistic on it. And to be honest with you, this shocked me how well it did. Yeah, man. Like you got to think. Like even the theaters that are open, it's like fifty to like twenty five to fifty percent capacity. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. that number, you're looking at like a hundred million dollar opening for yeah. King oh, yeah. Kong versus Godzilla movie. If they're in real world at capacity, 
Yeah. That's nuts. Yeah, no, I'm happy this one did well. Like they were saying in China, like it beat the lifetime growth of things like Kong Skull Island mm-hmm. and I think even King of the Monsters. It did, so. yeah. Yeah, that's that's phenomenal, and I'm I'm happy to see it continue. Like yeah. it's why not? It, it's a fun little franchise. It's vastly different than the other big speculy spectacly blockbusters that we have out there. So, yeah, you know what? Every every eighteen months, we need a movie that we can just turn our brains off and watch <laughs> the destruction, and and this is it. I'm yeah. I'm there for it. <laughs> it's it certainly delivers on the destruction part of it, and mm. you're so right. You know, you got to check yourself at the door. But we're, we're here to give this a little bit of a review, too. <laughs> our, our high-level thoughts on what this are now behind us. Let's let's talk about some of the details on this one. I'm going to yeah. throw it to you, Troy. Let's, yeah. talk, let's talk about... Let's let's save the Godzilla vs. Kong stuff a little bit here. And let's, mm. let's talk about the human aspect of this. We're at a mm. point where are the humans even needed <laughs> in these movies, right? We, we got enough of it. Kong can talk now. <laughs> Godzilla's pretty clear in his intentions, but but did the humans erode some of your experience with this? The Millie Bobby Brown stuff, the conspiracy mm. podcaster dude. Although he is one of us, <laughs> he is a crazy one of us, and and did veer into that 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 Transformers s stuff that you said, where it's just almost too far gone. Like they're amped up. Like what's his name? That is he's playing. Yeah, I think he's in the new Batman film that played the kind of the crazy conspiracy guy in the Transformers movies. Oh, John Turturro. Yeah, John Turturro. Thank you. Yeah, that really skewed my perception of him because of how bonkers all that stuff is. And this is really mirrored, I think, that aspect, especially as you get to three and four in this. So does, does the human stuff really take much away from you, Troy? Yeah, for, 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 for me it does, especially because the tone that they set out at the beginning there I was on board mm-hmm. and I knew like, you know, with a movie like this or transformers, that that's just what you're going to get. You're just going to, you're just going to have a lot of humans. Um, but again, when it transitioned over to that Bernie guy, there's nothing worse for me when you have somebody acting in a movie that looks like they're acting in a completely different movie than yeah, the rest of the hundred percent, <laughs> you know, and that, that really takes me out of the film. When I, when I saw that with him and he wasn't getting toned down, he was actually just turning it up more and more throughout the whole film. Yes. It really took me away because when we're first introduced to uh, Skarsgård's character and he's around like the other two scientists of mm-hmm. Apex or whatever, I was like, hey, this guy's this is this is great. I really like where he's coming from. I like what he brought to the table with his acting. And then and then we keep transitioning to like this the side sequence of like the Millie Bobby Brown and I forgot um, the other character from Deadpool, the, the child actor. Mm-hmm. And then and then we and then they, they happen to cross paths with uh, with Bernie there. So that disconnect for me was just, it was present constantly. And there's just so much going on over there. Um, the military stuff worked for me with the humans. But yeah. again, that's that's what we see always in these, like, whether it's Battleship, Transformers, this. We see that. But I'm like, they, they worked for what they did. Although it would be nice for once for the military guys to actually be military guys and know what they're doing and not have a scientist yeah, be like, be like I know what I'm doing. Yeah. You guys follow. I'm going to go well, over here. Right now, in the real world, they would never listen to that scientist person. Well, that's what <laughs> I was thinking the whole time where it's like, turn off all the power. And they're like, why? Like, well, yeah, and on. you can fly that You're ship all of a sudden now. And all, yeah. 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 So... You know, but it's uh, it's it's popcorn fun. Yeah. It's 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 all good because, like you guys mentioned too, right? Like we're there for um, for for Zilla and uh, for Kong. But yeah, the human disconnect. And I think honestly, for me, this might have been one of the worst when it came to the human because, 
with even some of the Transformers films, at least someone like um, Shia LaBeouf, because they kind of spread out the time between him and the Transformers, mm-hmm. and he's very charismatic. You already know what you're in for. It kind of works. Whereas here, they had like two different tones, mm-hmm. almost three, because you had Millie, and then you had Skarsgård, the scientist, and then you had Bernie. So it's just kind of this like this three-way disconnect, and then you had like the monsters to focus mm-hmm. on as well. Or as opposed to Transformers, it's just like Shyla, and then he got Prime, right? Yeah. So that that's that's kind of a kind of a takeaway for me there. Yeah, I, I'd have to agree yeah. with you there. And how they kind of Mister Magoo their way through, you know, they trip into this thing, and then they're in Hong yeah. Kong, and then they're, you know, it it just felt like we had to. I don't even know the point of it. I guess it gives you the underlying foundation for the bad guy and the Mecha Godzilla and all that, and mm. but it just felt compared to the other three movies, which I found use both aspects, the human and the monsters quite effectively in telling the story and it all making sense. And the through lines really working together. They, they have that in here. It's in here. It's in the movie with Skarsgård. It's in the movie with the, the, the woman scientist and the young child that all works. That yeah. all works. The young child's great by yes. the way too. Awesome. She's awesome. Yeah. 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 And I love the elements where, you know, she could feel his heartbeat. She could feel yeah. Zilla coming through the water. Like that stuff really fits with, what we've seen before okay but this other piece it, it I, I i agree with you it just felt like two different movies like it just yeah. and it kind of to be honest with you it kind of took me out you know yeah. when i'm in the moment with godzilla for kong i'm not thinking about any of that stuff but every so often when i jump back in and they're falling into like one of the most secure places in the world and they're just kind of walking in through security and all this yeah. and then it was just like okay like fine i get it it's not why we're here but you can't help but notice it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So, Carlos, did you find that this stuck out as well? Uh, you know what? Like, as far as the human characters go, I really liked Rebecca Hall and the the young deaf yeah. girl, like the Iwa. Like, I liked her story, how she was, like, the only survivor of that tribe yeah. that mm. Kong could save. And then, of course, Rebecca Hall's scientist character coming in with Monarch becomes a natural mother mm-hmm. figure for her. So that was cool. But it's like all the Godzilla USA side of stuff, like you didn't need any of those characters no, at all. None. And in fact, you probably didn't need Skarsgård and you could have written all of them out and just had, um, what's his face's character? Millie Bobby Brown's dad. dad yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Russell, he could have, right? yeah, he could have been the connect between, like he could have been the one that goes to Rebecca Hall and says like, we need to 100%. maybe activate Kong. And he's... He's also like Kyle Chandler. He's also like the expert on the behaviors of these animals. So from, it would make sense. From King of the would, Monsters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That he would make that jump. Right. And then like Millie Bobby Brown, she's, she's propping the other two up, but like you, you didn't need any of that stuff, which kind of led you to your antagonists. And like, man, those apex guys were oh. so painful. Like their whole, <laughs> totally the only part mustache. about it that I liked was like, Isa Gonzalez is beautiful. And so it was like, even though her character was super cringe in the movie, like it was like, that's ah, you. It's fine. <laughs> it's, it's okay, baby. Just, just go on. And then uh, that they used the Ghidorah skulls yeah. to communicate with Mechagodzilla. <laughs> I, I, I thought that was cool. But uh, aside from that, like the actual owner of Apex, that was dumb that they... Yeah. Like, I, I kind of liked the whole Hollow Earth thing, and they had kind of seeded that in the previous mm. movies with how Godzilla got from one place to the other as quickly as he did, but that the humans had figured out this technology so that they could travel with them and stuff like that. I was like, 
why why bother and stuff so um yeah it, it is what it is but I, like ironically i think you could have actually had less humans and it would have led to a oh, yeah. stronger story yeah definitely. i i agree fully agree like yeah. have you ever seen the movie the core it was from oh. mid 2000s it's about the earth, the core stops spinning and we have to travel to the core and they have these, this little machine that gets, it's exactly this <laughs> where oh, they have man. this, like just this machine that can travel through the earth and the scientist looks very similar. I can't remember <laughs> who played two face in the dark Knight trilogy. What's his name? Oh, Aaron Eckhart. Aaron Eckhart is the, the scientist in this and Skarsgård, the way he carries himself is very similar to that. I, was like, ah, I feel like I've seen this before. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why they got inspired to cast him. Because he doesn't even show off his abs in this one. No, so. he doesn't. No, he doesn't. He wasn't for that. Yeah. Well, I didn't even recognize him until Troy said his name here. I was, thought, he I was like, on. I kind of right. I know this guy, but I don't know where yeah. from. Yeah, Tarzan. Yeah, but yeah. I, I do like the Hollow Earth stuff. I thought it was a bit clunky in execution here because it was, it was like you said, it was seated and built to. And I thought it would be a bit more elegant in in what they do to it. But it is kind of cool that that they actually go there and that this is, I did like the theory that skull Island is kind of where it kind of bubbled to the surface and it kind of pops up and that's like its expression on earth. Mm-hmm. But it did lead me to the kind of question, like what was down there before who built all this stuff? And you know, well, they were the warring tribes, right? Yeah. So but like, like Kong's predecessors fighting Godzilla's predecessors or maybe just Godzilla. Yeah. But it just, it felt a little weird that like had, did Godzilla devolve? Like, how did they build all this stuff and all these pillars and all this technology? Like, I just... Oh, like as they were going into the hole? No, just like in the hole. Like, what, I, I don't know. Like, I, I kind of had it that it was like Kong's tribe, right? So whatever... Yeah. His... Maybe not his immediate family, but his ancestors had built it. Mm-hmm. it. It was a bit of a, a leap, though. Well, yeah, sure, Because from where he is on Skull Island, just running around like killing stuff and eating it yeah to, uh, these guys building like chairs and well that was that's the, that's the thing and like he kind of sits in it and takes his his you know king of the king kong place but at the end of the day it's it's fine right because we're here for for really the next part and that's the mm. godzilla versus kong stuff the first fight mm. it, it was i i love the first fight to me it's the best one i think i think they do some interesting stuff with kong versus godzilla in water where godzilla is very much or not godzilla where kong is very much outmatched by godzilla and on and off the ships is pretty cool and we just we get to see a lot of the, the trailer scenes it worked for me did carlos did the this first big punch up work for you yeah and i love that they didn't give away the whole thing in the trailers like yeah. i thought yeah. you years gone by like if this movie was 10 years ago everything we saw would have been mm-hmm. the entirety of that scene but just the buildup with Kong trying to escape and then yeah. them finally unleashing him. And then as he's trying to get off the ship to get away from the girl because he knows that he puts her at risk. And then other stuff, like him picking up the fighter jet like a batarang and chucking yeah. it at Godzilla was awesome. And yeah, it was cool, man. Like for yeah. the limited amount of room that they had to mm-hmm. work with, with keeping Kong above water was awesome. And then just like showcasing how woefully outmatched he oh, was. Yeah in the water and even the resolution of the fight I thought was kind of neat. Mm-hmm. So yeah, th- that one definitely worked for me and, and man, what a way to show off what you can do. Like that you have these, a, these two giant monsters, 
fighting, you're interlacing with real world people and whatnot, and then that they're in the water and coming out of the water and they're dry and they're wet and mm. oh, that that was a that was a demo reel for that special effects host. Oh yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, you yeah you are throwing every element you can at this one fight. And like you said, the bouncing and trying to keep Kong above water, I I found that really engaging and exciting because it's like, oh shoot! Like if he's in the water, he's not he's he's not doing well. Like are they gonna kill him right now? Like how are they gonna get him out of this? <laughs> and I felt that that aspect of the fight to be, like I said, super engaging. Troy, you digging yeah. this one? Because this is why we're oh, here, man. This is round yeah. one. This is why we're here, and like this is like okay, I'm involved, I'm in it, and I loved it. Again, like this goes to show, like the special effects were just. Oh amazing in this film with with the water it's it's light outside you have um like a reptilian like uh, uh, dinosaur like godzilla and then you have like this you know ape monster so you're showing off all these different kind of skills of rendering and it was amazing it was amazing and godzilla because that's the guy i'm going for he set that tone he's like look like i've been like you know in this weight category for a long time and you just kind of got to this level and you think you can fight me? No way. And he was just, he was ruthless. And then when he does like the reverse Superman, you know, Superman, when he's like, okay, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta end the fight and he'll take you up into the sky mm-hmm. and kind of suffocate you. Whereas Godzilla's like, I'm taking you to the water and you're done. You're going to tap out. And I was just like, this is cool. And the water sequences was just amazing and how he's moving around there. Like, it just blew my mind because, like, when I, unlike you guys, like, I haven't seen the last two, um, like, monster films and Godzilla, the one before 2014, you don't really see him kind of do much. So, for me, coming off of basically the King Kong Peter Jackson, that's the last time I've seen like a big monster kind of move. And I'm just like, this is amazing. This is light years ahead of that film, as it should be because I, it's an older film, but it's just, it's, it's incredible what these guys can do mm-hmm. in today's day with uh, technology. But that fight for me was just amazing. And from there, from there, I knew I'm like, we're in good hands. We're in good yeah. hands. Like I, I can see where this is going to go. Ultimately. I think my boy's good. I think he's coming out on top on this one. So, <laughs> I love that fight. Loved it. Yeah. It was really good. Even to the yeah. point of, I found watching Kong in the water. They've got mm-hmm. him making panicked looks at times mm. like i'm in the water i can't be here i'm going to die yeah. and so it's always not him being like this aggressive kong type fighter it's he shows some vulnerability there which i thought was a nice touch yeah and him getting up there and basically kind of freezing so that godzilla takes off and i think and correct me if i'm wrong carlos i don't believe in king of the monsters i just watched it but i can't quite remember it I don't think there's any major water sequences quite like this with Godzilla. There's a lot of him running through ships and them following him around underwater, but I don't think it's a major like fight sequence underwater, is there? There's no fight, yeah. but there's like his resurrection scene, right? Yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. So that kind of takes place under the water, but just even like small stuff, like as Godzilla's pulling Kong down, all the bubbles mm-hmm. all over them just rising up. And like Troy made a good point about that it was in the daylight. Like, not only was it the daylight, they had it transition from, like, I- into the dawn. Mm-hmm. And they had that whole thing kind of play out in bright sunlight. And it, it looked amazing. Yeah, Amazing, yeah. yeah. Absolutely fantastic. Now, we have round two in... Yeah. This is, I guess, post-Hollow Earth. And we've got Axe Swinging Kong making his <laughs> presence felt in Hong Kong. And they 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 glove up for round two. And they are they are not careful 
about their where they are. They're one of the most heavily and densely populated cities in the world, and they go to town on each other. I like that they've given an element, and it, it seems weird, but I like that they've given a a weapon to Kong that matches him against Godzilla in a more meaningful way. Yes, we're on land, but when you look at Godzilla and you look at the the nuclear fire breath he has and all the tools he has at his disposal and everything that he's fought before him, if you look at what he fought in the last film, Godzilla, I don't think is a step up, or sorry, King Kong is not a step up from that three-headed monster. And so they had to, 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 I think, even out the playing field a little bit, and they do well with Kong becoming this... I don't know what at like this Thor. He's got Mjolnir or whatever it is, Stormbreaker. Mm. <laughs> he he gets in possession of here, and so I thought that they match it up well. But man, do they go to town on Hong Kong? <laughs> like, you know, you know, I, you, we've heard the complaints in the past about Man of Steel and this and the the toll of human life. We're talking like tens of millions of people dead <laughs> from this fight oh, yeah. alone. They just flatten stuff <laughs> for the sake of they're hiding behind buildings and <laughs> Yeah, and just tearing things apart. So so Troy, round two. Yeah. Round yeah. two goes to Kong. Yep. Barely, but it goes to Barely. Kong. Yeah. So how how did how did round two fare for you on this one? Well, round two was cool. Um I, I love just like the electric look. It kinda has that um yeah. uh, the Neo Gotham yeah. of yes. uh you know Batman Beyond. It looked amazing, and seeing how agile Kong was, how he's like bouncing off of buildings, which I didn't know if that really worked. It did, like it looked cool, but it, it shouldn't have made any sense. But um, to see him even do like that UFC kind of kick where he like jumped off the building <laughs> and then bounced off, I was like, wow, this is incredible. And then I, yeah, I like how he had the axe, you know, with um, like Godzilla's like one of his like fins almost. Yeah, it looked like in there, it was cool and it was vicious. It was just such a vicious, visceral fight between the two of them. Um, and again, it looked even better this time because now it's nighttime, so they can kind of get away with even more things. And they were not holding back at all. And I just, again, I love how ruthless uh, Godzilla is. He's just on this mission, just going after him. But he, 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 he didn't quite come through this time around. And I kind of like to. Uh, I think it's even um, Scarsgard was the one that's like, okay, I guess well, round two went to Kong. Yeah. I kind of like that little. <laughs> They're calling story. it out. <laughs> as it <happens. laughs> yeah, as the world's just watching these guys just. <laughs> just battle so uh it, it was cool is is a great fight great fight like these moments are just amazing in my opinion when it came to this film yeah, yeah. it's pretty funny all i can think of is from the nerd room arcade round two fight <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. He, yeah he gave godzilla gave him seconds yeah yeah <laughs> so yeah we, we we are getting a little closer to to leaping over the metaphorical shark here but round two carlos it was cool. It was neat to see Kong adapt from mm-hmm. the ass whooping that he took yeah. and using what his uh, advantages would be. So being the speed and the agility piece and, and even just small things like him. I think it was this fight where he distracts Godzilla by throwing at the beginning of round three. But um, yeah, it, it was cool. And, and by this point in time, you're getting a little sympathetic towards Kong, right? Mm. Cause he's bonded with the little girl and, and you've kind of seen what he's all about. And, and Godzilla is just, he, he's a force of nature at this yeah. point in time, right? But uh, like Troy said, the visuals for this part, like even just how it begins with Godzilla coming up out of that harbor oh. and he doesn't quite clear the bridge and takes the <laughs> whole bridge down and just saunters in there. Oh, uh. it, 
it was glorious and it was yeah. it was cool to see Kong doing the the Spider-Man thing going through the yeah. buildings and trying to get away and get those angles on Godzilla. So I thought it was a pretty smart way of having him win this fight mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and catching Godzilla off guard with uh him not knowing what this axe is going to be all about. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And it's interesting too with Godzilla because I found especially in 2014 he's the upright Godzilla, like the more traditional looking Godzilla with the shorter arms, and he's kind of got less of the kind of serpent look. I know not no one likes the 97 one and all that, but that had kind of almost like a true, very agile serpent-like look to mm-hmm. it and feel to it, where the more upright Godzilla, the mobility looks less. But this, especially when he's in the water, super agile looking Godzilla. I find that this movie in particular emphasizes that a lot more at how much more kind of not quite serpent like but lizard like he is mm. um in his overall movements and i think that is accentuated too because like you said carlos you have godzilla who's moving around very quickly very agilely and kind of giving a different form to what we've seen in the past like mothra the three-headed monster and all that those are slower fights they're not slow but they're definitely slower fights than what we got put to screen here mm-hmm. um Kong, I guess, a little bit in Skull Island. You've got those Death Eaters or whatever they're called. Um, so he's always been a bit more agile, a bit more dynamic. But it's interesting seeing on how, even on the flip side of it, Godzilla adapts a little later on um, and, and utilizes a bit more agility in the overall fight. Now, as we move into the early parts of round three and the inevitable team-up of both of our antagonists in this, we, we find out that Apex has been secretly building a Mecha Godzilla using one of the Monster Zero's skulls to psionically talk to this Mecha thing, and they need some source of energy which comes from and why they went down to the Hollow Earth. So very kind of stupid yeah that, that's what i was gonna say i was gonna be a bit more polite but stupid is is the word yeah i i, I like the psionic link between the heads yeah. with the the king gadir skulls but or Ghidorah skulls but yeah the the finding the energy source and just uploading it and having an instant working form well they didn't even they, it's not like, like they brought back what? a piece of rock or something and jammed it into it's nope. like yeah, you're gonna send this data from the center of the earth I can barely get Wi-Fi in my basement, but you're going to send this thing through the entire <laughs> Earth after Godzilla's bashed a hole through it. Sh- sure. Okay. Explain this to me. How does the thing become, like, sentient? I, I, that, was, that was a huge leap for me. Yeah. Where I was like, okay, this thing is, it kills the guy, and then what, what's controlling it? Right. I don't, I don't understand why that happened. I was happened. lost with that, too. Because I was like, okay, did the dude just take over the robot? I'm like, nope, the robot took over the dude. <laughs> yeah, I think, well, the Ghidorah skulls, like, fried his brain, right? With the, mm-hmm. with the Psylink, I guess. So maybe that was the reincarnation of King Ghidorah. Because he seemed to have a memory, mm-hmm. like, enough that he went out and killed the owner of Apex right away. Oh. And then he like, and he was all about attacking Godzilla. Like, even if you notice through that fight, like he wanted nothing to do with Kong. Yeah. He couldn't be bothered with him. He was he was focused on taking out the big G. So that was kind of how I read it. Yeah. It again. This is where like to me leaping the the shark or whatever you want to take it because it. I wasn't expecting it to be honest with you. I in hindsight, I guess they needed to team up in some capacity, and they needed to have or at least because these both of these 
monsters in their respective films have been portrayed more as the protagonists. Like Godzilla has been the protector and the balance piece for the humans against some of these Titans and, and Kong, even when you get into Skull Island and that he's portrayed as being, you know, this big thing, but just wants to be left alone and has left tribes alone and all that. And, but this here, like, I didn't know, like, I wasn't expecting it. I was like, well, okay, sure. Like, I guess this is where you have to escalate to though. Is that, is that the pass that we have to give this is that in a series where we're continuing to escalate the threat, that we have to leap here. And like I said it before, there is some precedence for this Mecha Godzilla. And I guess the, the monster that the side link is, is drawn through is an alien. So this thing is technically an alien Mecha thing, which is what the seventies iteration was from the reading I did after. Cause I immediately went and was like, okay, surely this is happened. Like, this isn't just someone thought this up and thought it'd be cool. Like they're, they're definitely pulling from something here, but I don't know. I just, I, this was where I was like, eh, like I, being the third battle and being the two battles that we talked about were really cool. This one was, was just eh for me. I just, the story and the way it crescendoed at the end here and this being the last fight. Sure. <laughs> I don't, I don't know, Troy. Yeah, I knew it was coming because I had seen the yeah. toy. I see. I didn't yeah. see any of that. Like I had yeah. no clue that there was oh, this Mecha Godzilla yeah. thing coming. Yeah. It was completely I was blind was for, me. for me, but I, I was happy to see that he looks way cooler on screen than he did as a toy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but we we forgot the final the final well, round. Yeah, the third. The real, yeah, the third. Oh round. yes, true. Yeah, let's let's get, let's yeah. get into that. Bring us through that one before yeah. we get into a bit more on the mecha. <laughs> <laughs> well, the third round. Third round was great. Um, oh, my, yeah. my boy took it, man. My boy t- Godzilla, man. Watch yes, out! Like, I do apologize for this forgetting guy. this. Yeah. <laughs> Godzilla was, was was great. I love um again how ruthless he was, but he was like I think he's doing that move where he was just going in on uh King Kong's chest, like just like kind of like oh, cat scratching, it up, yeah. Scratching and I, and then like Carlos, I was like, shoot, like my money was on Godzilla and it still is, but now I'm kinda like, all right, like you can chill. Godzilla, yeah. you won. Like just, <laughs> just take it easy, man. Cause like, you know, Kong kind of like um he's definitely more c- relatable. I don't want to say relatable. You connect a lot more. Mm-hmm to Kong than you do with Godzilla in this film because you spend a lot more time with him yeah. like way more time so when he's getting his, his butt handed to him I'm kind of like shoot I kind of feel bad for the guy a little bit and then I thought he's going to do like one of his like his cannon like his blast cannon or whatever but he just kind of yelled at him and it was just like we're done you know yeah. and I love that kind of big yell that he gives him and um, that that Rocky moment is just like throwing the towel, man. Throwing the towel, yeah. <laughs> like it's over for Kong. And then for a minute, Kong kind of got back up, and I was like, "No way! There's no way this guy has anything left in him." And then he drops down, um, like Killer Ink, Killer Ink style, I think, the video game. And I was like, "All right, you're done. You're done." Um, so it is, it is a great fight. Uh, I'm glad to see Godzilla came through. And um, was it my favorite battle? Well, did this battle have? The moment from the trailer when the axe is blocking like that cannon. I think that was in round two. That was round two, yeah. So round two, I think, had a little bit more of the cooler stuff. I think round three was just to the point. Round three was just like, we're going to end this, and it's just going to get right down to it. Well, they they do put the stamp on that Godzilla is the king of the monsters. I don't think there's any doubt there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Godzilla, yeah, yeah, definitely. And so I I, I don't know. Like I I came into it early days as as a Kong guy. And walking out of King of the Monsters, I was a Godzilla guy. And <laughs> there we go. <laughs> there it is, man. Godzilla proved me right here as to, to why I swapped sides. So I jumped on the Godzilla bandwagon, that's for sure. So 
Gee, your your boy, Carlos, he he came through in the end and proved that he was in fact king of the monsters. Yeah, to be honest, like if I got to give it to anybody, I got to give it to Adam Wingard for <laughs> his economy with his time and with his battles, right? Because mm-hmm. you have a nice long one for round one. Round two is drawn out. You see all some the different dynamics. And then round three is quick, it's dirty, yeah. and it's brutal. Like Godzilla yeah. is hunting. You feel it. You get to see him do like the few moves that you haven't seen yet, like using the tail to flip Kong over, and oh, then yeah. like the scratch attack and the yeah. stomps, and it's it's game over. I, I oh, did yeah. like the cheeky green neon, kind of emulating BVS a little bit with <laughs> with Kong over him. So who knows what they said to each other? But um, <laughs> you got that too, right? There's a moment when they're it, licking each other. But I was like, no, like Martha was just in my head. Like, yeah, hundred percent. That's emulating that with the green neon. That yeah. was that was fully intentional. Hilarious. I'm sure. But yeah, I just I, I liked um, how astute the the filmmaker was to say we've seen everything. Now let's just put a, a button on it. Yeah. Let's just tie this thing up and well and i think it was cool they couldn't have left the because they're clearly taking us through a sequence of rounds right they couldn't mm. have left us with a tie i th- no. I think that they had to give a clear winner in yeah. this which I'm was so cool. glad they did because what they could have done is they could have just had them facing down and then the mountain blows up yeah 100 percent. yeah right? yeah yeah it could have yeah. left it in a tie i'm glad they they closed that thread off yeah. I thought that was cool. But they gave Kong his moment too. They did. Yeah. So yeah. Well, at the end yeah. here, right? Because he is mm-hmm. he's the one that proves to be putting the final nail in the coffin or ripping the head off, whatever you want to call it, of this mecha thing. So mm-hmm. we've, we've we've touched on it here. And coming out of round three, we've got a Kong that is unconscious that needs reviving by whatever means the plot says it needs to do. <laughs> and we've got Godzilla going against this this mech thing prior to the arrival of Kong. You, you called stupid. <laughs> so <laughs> does, does a fight provide any redemption for the kind of clunky story work that it does? Yeah, I liked the fight. Like, I, I liked how outmatched both of them were mm-hmm. by Mechagodzilla. And, and obviously, neither one of them is even close to 100% at that point in time, mm-hmm. right? So it, it gave... Um, a bit of a window for Mecha Godzilla to come in and wreck some shop, but I thought they did a good job with his design and having some of those attributes that Kong had with being more agile, mm-hmm. and then having Godzilla's ability to attack from a distance. And they mm-hmm. they showed how devastating his laser cannon thing was, and then he has two of them. And even in like the old movies and stuff, like mecha godzilla he was he was nothing to mess around with kind of thing there was he'd often get the upper hand on big g there so it was cool and they gave him some neat visuals and then the resolution like what a perfect way of giving kong some agency mm-hmm. after you know definitively losing the fight but you know Godzilla's dead without yeah king kong stepping up and then the way kong takes apart mecha godzilla and that they team up to do it yeah. was sweet. Oh, the axe like, swinging around there. Oh, <laughs> Stormbreaker doing some work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was cool when Godzilla charges it up. Like, Oh, yeah. I forgot. Yeah. The breathing them. Ah, that was cool. I like that. Yeah, man. How can you not love like, that? Like, that's at the point where you're like, yes, 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 yeah. as, as it's yeah. happening, right? You, you kind of forget and put away all of the, you know, all, all the baggage of the film. 
yeah. you're just like, yeah, this is cool. Godzilla just like pumped up an axe that King Kong is now swinging at a mecha yeah. Godzilla. Like, how about that as a sentence? <laughs> yeah. yeah, like you don't care about the CEO of Apex at that point no. in time. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> so Troy, take us home here. Give yeah. us your your final thoughts on this mecha battle. And then, and then, what's next? What's next for this franchise? Do you want more of it? Are you happy for it to end here? Well, yeah. I mean, I guess going into was this the fourth battle, uh, the closer outer? It was, um, it was cool. You know, I gotta give props again to this film for the fact that I could never see, not even just in fights, but just even like these crazy sequences. I could never see a hole in their CGI. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a lot of these times with these movies, pretty much all of them, you can always see where they're like, we're saving our big bucks for this last end yeah. fight battle. This throughout this whole film, everything looked like they spent top dollar on it. So that was really cool. And um, again, I liked seeing like even though Godzilla has been fighting for quite some time against King Kong, and he's pretty much done and he's checked out. He now has to take on uh, Mecha Godzilla by himself, and he's he's doing okay. Like he's he, he can't win, but the fact that he's still putting in that work, I was like, this is really cool because he doesn't know that you know king kong's gonna get up anytime soon and help him out so i really like how they like kind of had those little details there and then obviously once king kong does come in they take him down i love like the the dragon ball reference to the kamehameha battles between the fire blasts going back and forth i thought that was mm-hmm. really cool and it looked really well um so all around that that was fantastic for me for the franchise going forward i don't know man because it was really weird how the movie ended like kong went to his place and had his little moment mm-hmm. on um I don't know if it's like a new Skull Island or is that it's back? A, it's a Hollow Earth, yeah. He's back it's in. Hol- so and then just ended. I was like, whoa, that's that's weird. Like literally just boom, done. Movie's over. And I'm like, okay, I'll you know, there's gonna be a post credit scene. There's not. Um, I don't know because I don't know this universe as well as you guys do. Uh, I don't know what you really do going forward. Like, honestly, for me, like I I want to go back now and watch the other films, but I feel like this is like a good like send off to like everything just like we close it out but it made so much money you got to come back to this franchise mm-hmm. but as a whole i'm just like this is this is great this was a nice ending to the whole uh the whole monster verse yeah so it, it does yeah. take you to a point and i agree with you it is an abrupt end and maybe to continue the fr- i think they're going to continue the franchise i yeah. think based off of this box office and the reception yeah. and kind of the desire for people to consume these type of movies like you need these right and why wouldn't you at this point? I guess yeah. you, you've you opened up some more space in the Hollow Earth with Kong to do more work inside of there. Um, I don't know what more you can do with Godzilla. Again, I'm not mm. super familiar with the 70s and 80s stuff and all that. And if there is other key monsters that they need to bring into the fold, like what can you do next? I guess Alien Invasion. Like they kind of did that in King of the Monsters, but... I don't know. I, I wanted to continue. I had enough fun in this one, and I would happily pay twenty. Like it was twenty five bucks up here. I'd happy to pay mm-hmm. twenty five bucks for the next Godzilla or King Kong movie. Um, I did have gonna there's some ups and downs in this one, but ultimately the three and a half rounds that we got on this, I, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed yeah. it, and I want to see more of it. How about you, Carlos? Yeah, man. Like that that twenty five bucks, like that's less than the price of my wife and I going to the theater mm-hmm. and we watched it as a family. So that's four tickets right there. And I watched it again in its entirety the next day type of thing. So I, I definitely got my money's worth out of the rental. I, I, I agree with what Troy said that it does put a nice bow on the monster verse, but um, I think man, legendary is back teamed up with Warner brothers. You brought us a dark Knight trilogy. 
You guys have done some cool stuff on your own, but legendary, you have Pacific Rim. Mm. Godzilla, Pacific Rim team up. And then Whoa. you have a good gateway for your human characters because you can have you can bring back your John Boyega character. Yeah. Yeah. You can bring back whoever you want, and you have your Jaeger pilots being the human characters, and maybe it's Godzilla teaming up with the Pacific Rim characters to either fight an invasion from the breach or to fight an alien invasion or whatever, right? Like, I'm there for it. <laughs> yeah, Holy I think smokes. that would be cool. But yeah, because Legendary, they're the ones that hold that license. So that, that's where it's at for me, man. Give me Jaegers, give me yeah. Godzilla, and let's let's just go. It's a logical step, right? They, they've, they've broached the sci-fi aspect of this franchise. It's no longer kind of like this. I just, I just felt it was a little bit more contained, but now that they've got anti-gravity machines and all this kind of crazy stuff, I think they can go there. There's the Jaeger stuff actually fits a bit better than some of the stuff that we saw from apex. If I'm being completely honest with you. Yeah. And you can even just time jump the whole thing Mm -hmm. because who cares? Like Godzilla is kind of eternal, right? Yeah. So yeah, exactly. Yo, this one had a five year jump in it. Yeah. You could do a 20 year jump or, or something like that, or just have some other threat emerge. You can always, you, you gotta, you gotta continue to do something a little bit different with with Godzilla. Um, and this was the first film that turned it a bit on its head, saying that he was a bit more of the antagonist. Um, but but I think they can do more. And I, I think Warner Brothers they've got a solid hit on their hands here, and something that they they don't have to be so prescriptive in what they do, right? They don't have to deliver oscar award-winning turns by actors and all this stuff to be honest with you they can veer away from the human stuff and i think bringing like you said carlos bringing in the agra stuff gives something for the humans to actually do because that's where you run into problems with these right is you have to you put humans in there to to help tell the story and bring context and and really drive your narrative a bit forward but the parts we come for are the monsters Mm-hmm. right and so let's let's see some more of that i'm excited i'm excited you know there's parts of this that don't work and there's parts of this that really freaking work mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm game for more of this franchise and i think we're gonna see more of it so let's let's end it with our, our letter grade i don't know how we do we do this relative to other monster oh, movies yeah. or do we do this relative to every movie <laughs> we've ever seen no you, you can't you can't compare godzilla versus kong to schindler's list man like it's just Just doesn't work okay okay yeah just kind of that that genre franchisey fair right like you're i think in comparison to your your other monster verse movies is fair any kind of popcorny movie okay okay so carlos kick it off then you know what like the the promise of the title like the godzilla versus kong stuff Mm. That was an A plus for me. I don't think they could have done it any better. Like yeah. as far as setting up those fights, what the fight showed, and the progression—the Godzilla win, the Kong win, the decisive victory, and then the team up—that stuff was perfect. Looked beautiful. Was flawless. The human stuff, like that's a that's a <laughs> C for me kind of thing. Like the little girl and Rebecca Hall were kind of the only two good yeah. ones, but they they weren't the only humans that were involved in the antagonists were just painful and woefully undercooked mm. so yeah man i i think overall like i i end with a solid b plus on this one like honestly if you sit down and you click on a movie that's titled 
Godzilla versus Kong, this movie will deliver exactly what it promises to you. And like HBO Max, man, like a couple of weeks ago, you got Judas and the Black Messiah. So if you want a well-acted human drama, watch that one. And if you want mindless popcorn entertainment to just have fun with, watch this one. Mm-hmm. Like there, there's lots of flavors of ice cream in the shop. Certainly so just pick is. the right one. <laughs> Trey, how about you, man? Yeah, man. This one for me, like Carlos said, man, the name itself lived up to what we got. I think the action sequences were amazing. Every battle delivered for me. Uh, if I was to give it a ranking, I'm probably sitting at a, a B minus just because the human characters were extremely weak. Some of the, the worst I've seen. <laughs> But that Bernie guy just brought it down even more for me. He's just, uh, just horrible. I, you know, I've gone on with it enough. So, you know, for me, yeah, I'm going with that B minus. You got to see this film for the action alone. Yeah. I think anybody that's semi interested, twenty five bucks. It's a better deal, obviously, than going to the actual theaters. But the theater experience would be at the top of notch, mm-hmm. obviously. But uh, it, it, it's it's great, man. This is um. This, for me, kind of piqued my interest to kind of get back into this universe. I'm going to go back now and watch the other the other two. Skull Island, right? Skull Island and yeah. the uh, King of the Monsters. Those are the two that I got to see. So I'm in, man. B minus. It's, 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 it's a fun film. Yeah. Fun film. Funny enough, I'm the same. B minus on this yeah. one. And that's in a relative to comparison. I hold that 2014 Godzilla in, in much higher standards. And the other ones work. And this one works. And I can't really say any more other than to echo your thoughts that what the title does delivers and the human aspect of meh, I could really leave most of that stuff. But ultimately we got three solid rounds of fighting and we've got a team up at the end. Can't go wrong. Can't go wrong with this stuff. And I, I made a promise to check my brain at the door. Cause that's something I needed after this long week and it gave it to me. So I'm, I'm quite pleased about that. So guys, that, that puts us out of close for this week. A lot of fun reviewing Godzilla versus Kong and talking some MCU stuff and then some collecting stuff. It's been another great episode. And guys, we're going to be back next week like we always are every Thursday. So if you'd like to be a bigger part of this show, you can always email us at thenerdroom at gmail.com. You can find everything we do over thenerdroom.net. The hunt is real and it's over on Instagram. And Troy has delivered yet again. <laughs> We've got a Beskar Mando review up there from Troy. And man, these videos continue to just delight the audience and it makes me want to go and buy that best garmando again <laughs> just based purely off that i got it behind me and i want to go buy it again now just after watching that video so go check out everything that troy's doing over there cheers on instagram at the nerd rm and it's certainly cemented uh, nothing but still pictures from tim and i Yes, 100%. I looked at it as like, there's no way I can ever do a video. You're just going to get still pictures from, from me from now on. <laughs> so, and Twitter, guys, you can always find us there. Willing to talk, chat, whatever. You want to talk some Godzilla vs. Kong? Want to tell us that the humans were good in this? By all means, we'll listen. So you can find our handles at the end of the episode. And, of course, guys, we will be back next week talking all things Star Wars, Marvel, and DC. And until then, for the Nerd Room, I'm Tim. I'm Troy. And I'm Batman. Wow, man. That uh that was well, interesting. Now we, can, now we can see if he's gonna if he actually listens to the show. <laughs> this is the test. It is the test. All right, Sunny. Let's see. <laughs> All right, guys.
We'll be talking to you. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Be kind. And come on back next week. And again, thank you so much for entering the Nerd Room. This has been a Nerd Room Podcast production. You can find our hosts Tim, Troy, Sanjay, and Carlos on Twitter at TheNerdRM, TroyTheBoy87, Sanjabi, and CDN Caped Crusade R. For more content from the Nerd Room, check out TheNerdRoom.net. And don't forget to subscribe to the Nerd Room on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, or wherever you plug in. Use the hashtag WeTheNerd to keep up with the latest from the Nerd Room on Instagram and Twitter.